This is the second week of our series, The Perfect Storm. Today, my title is The Myth of More. And I want to lay a quick foundation just in case you, you may have missed last week. And if you did, I would really encourage you to get online and listen to the message there. Download it to your iPod or get, pick up a CD there in the lobby uh, at the conclusion of the service. I really believe it will strengthen your life and, and your family. The key scripture for this series is Matthew chapter number 7, verse 24 through verse 27. And it's not going to pop up on the screen, but, but here's what Jesus says. He says, if you hear my words and you put them into practice, he says, if you do that, that you're building your house, your life on the rock, and that when the storms come, the winds blow, your house will be able to stand. He also says, if you hear my words and you don't put them into practice, you don't apply my word to your life, he says that you're building your life on the sand. And Jesus says when the wind comes, when the storms come, that your house will not be able to stand. It will come tumbling to the ground. We, we said last week that, that storms are a part of life. You can't avoid storms. We all go through storms. And we are in a storm right now in America. We are facing a financial storm. And you realize this as well as I do. The gas prices are high and the housing market around America has been unstable and, and, and the food prices are rising and the stock market is, has not been performing well. And, and there has been storms financially. And, and a lot of Americans are finding out if they have their financial foundation built on the sand, their financial life has been tumbling down. And last week what I talked about was sand principles. And, and last week we talked about how do you build your financial life on an unstable foundation. And we looked at that very clearly and, and I taught you about how to get an unstable foundation financially. And what I want to do today is want to turn away from the sand and today I want us to look at a rock principle. And how do you build your financial life on the rock? And, and the principle that I'm going to share with you today, it's a really difficult principle. But if you will apply it to your life, it will get your financial life on a firm foundation. And when the storms come, and they will come, you'll be able to withstand the storms of life. Let's look at this very key financial principle. It's found over in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse number 6. And Paul says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. That's it right there. Contentment. Everybody say contentment. Come on, say it again. Contentment. Notice that godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And the truth is that we all struggle with being content. If you're content now, you'll be tempted sometime very soon not to be content. We just all struggle with this. I think a great way to, to illustrate this is, is by showing you this, this very quick video. Check out this short video. It's one of the most talked about new releases in years. The hype of this iPhone has been over the top, and it could change the way you live. And there's lots of excitement. Even through the night, the faithful were here. And people across this nation have been lined up for days. 
they've blacked out the store windows and they're setting up inside and there's a huge crowd behind me that wraps around the block. I have rain gear and I have everything I need to wait. My other phone's going to be really upset when I cancel my service and throw it away. Some of whom have been waiting in line for about 30 hours now. And those who have been in line and sticking it out over these last several days are emerging from the, this store obviously very happy and they're coming out to applause and cheers. The new iPhone. Oh, yeah. I, I love what the newscaster said. The lady said, she said, this could change your life. Oh, you need this. <laughs> I, I love what the, what the one lady said. She said, you know, my phone company is going to be really mad at me when I have to cancel my service. And I throw away the other phone because I got to have the iPhone. I, I, I need it. It's a, it's a must. And, and I would ask. How many of you waited 30 hours to buy the new iPhone? But I just don't really want to see your hand. Amen. I just, I won't ask you that. We struggle with being content. Americans constitute 5% of the world's population, but consume 24% of the world's energy. We're not content. On average, one American consumes as much energy as two Japanese, six Mexicans, 13 Chinese, 31 Indians, 128 Bangladesh, 307 Tanzanians, Tanzanians, and 370 Ethiopians. We consume a lot of energy. Americans eat 815 billion calories of food each day. That's roughly 2,000 billion more than needed. That's enough to feed 80 million people. The average American house size has more than doubled since the 1950s. According, according to Sharp, the 42-inch screen TV will be old hat by 2015, with the average screen sizes set to rise to 60 inches. In the last 12 months, sales of 46 inches and above LCDs have risen 272%, suggesting that big screen TVs are now becoming the norm instead of the exception. And how many know now? How many know this? It's not good enough just to have a big screen TV. Baby, you got to have HD. Come on now. Hey, come on, sports man. Help a brother. HD. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we struggle. We struggle to be content. And don't you wish that I could tell you today, hey, hey, guys, there's a doctor in town and I, I have prescribed. You, you just go to this doctor and he'll prescribe you a pill. Just take this pill once a day. It's called the contentment pill. And if you take this pill, you'll be content with what you have. Huh? Here's the 1-800 number to call them. Boy, if I had that number, some of you husbands would call right now. I mean, some of you wives, right at the service. Boy, you put that in your speed. Now, we got to get my husband there. He's killing us. But the truth is, there is no pill to make you content. There is no doctor that you can go to that will help you be more content with what you have. But the Bible, the Bible has the answer on how you and I become content. What I want us to do today is look at the Word of God, and I want us to look at four cures for discontentment. Four cures for discontentment. Listen, if you will listen and apply this message, it will revolutionize your financial life. Number one is this. Number one, the first cure is refuse to make possessions a competition. Refuse to make possessions a competition. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 8 says, But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And you know as well as I do, that's not true for most of us. 
And, and the number one thing that keeps us from being content is competition. There are people who literally spend their entire life competing with their neighbors, competing with their friends, competing with their co-workers, competing with their relatives, that they're always wanting more. They're always trying to impress somebody. They're always trying to keep up with somebody else. And if you find yourself, and it's so easy to find yourself there, if you find yourself there today, let me ask you a question. Why are you competing with everybody else? Why are you trying to live like everybody else? Why are you trying to be normal? Can I tell you what normal is in America? Forty percent of people borrow more than they, can, than they can make monthly payments on. That's normal. And then when the storms of life come, they're not prepared. The average American family is always only three weeks away from bankruptcy. Eighty-five out of 100 Americans have less than 250 in cash saved up by age 65. The average American has over $8,000 in credit card debt. Over 40% of U.S. families routinely spend more each year than they earn. That, that's normal. Okay, can I tell you something about the neighbors you're trying to keep up with and compete with? Most of them are broke. You're keeping up with people? That spend more than they, they make. And you're making it a competition. Listen, as your pastor, please hear my heart today. My goal is I don't want you to be normal. I don't want you to be normal. Some of you here, you fall into the normal statistics. There's no condemnation in Christ. You don't need to feel beat up today. But my goal today, is I want to stir in your heart a righteous, a righteous indignation that says, you know what, I no longer want to be normal. Today's a turning point. I want it to be a turning point in your life where you say, I'm no longer going to be normal. I'm going to take some steps today not to be normal anymore. I love what Dave Ramsey says. He has such a powerful statement that he says frequently. Here's what he says. If you will live like no one else, one day you'll live like no one else. If you'll live like no one else, one day you'll live like no one else. But the problem for most of us is we try to live like everybody else. And we build our financial life on the sand because of competition. There's a, a, second, a second cure for discontent, con discontentment that I want to share with you today. Number two is this, delay gratification. Delay gratification. And you know the truth is everybody wants everything right now. <laughs> and here's something that, that if you grab a hold of and understand it, it'll, it'll revolutionize your, fan, uh, your, your, your financial life. Every blessing that God has for you is not meant for right now. Every, every blessing that God has for you is not meant for right now. And if you try to get everything right now, and many people do, if you try to get everything right now, not only will you build your financial life on the sand, but your finances will be messed up. You'll be upside down if you try to get everything right now. And I know some of you are saying this, Herbert, I need it now. You don't understand. My car is old. I need a brand new one now. Herbert, the house is too small. I need a new one now. Herbert, the phone is old. It's outdated. I need an iPhone now. And it reminds me of the Snoopy cartoon. 
it was Thanksgiving and Snoopy was not invited to Thanksgiving dinner. And he's standing outside in the cold and he's watching all of his friends eat Thanksgiving dinner. And he's mad and upset because he wasn't invited. He's outside in the cold. He's, he's frustrated. And then Snoopy all of a sudden begins to think. And he says to himself, it could be worse. I could have been born a turkey. It could be worse. Come on, I want you to say that with me. Everybody say, it could be worse. Come on, say it again. It could be worse. Come on, everybody. It could be worse. Come on, when you go out to your car after church today, and as you get in your car and you look around where everybody else is driving, ooh, huh? And you don't, you don't start your car yet because you know you're going to have car problems trying to start it, so you let everybody else clear out. You know, <laughs> Come on, when you get in your car today, I just want you to get in there and say, it could be worse. Yeah, when you get to your workplace tomorrow and you think, I should be making more money. I should have got a raise. What's wrong with that boss? I should get the promotion. They should have gave me a bonus. And when you get to work and you get ready to complain, I just want you to say, it could be worse. Come on, when you get to your house today, after you go eat lunch somewhere, and you get to your house, and, and you, you get there, and you start complaining about your house, or your apartment, or your duplex, and you say, I only got one bedroom, and we need two. We only got two, and we need three. We only got three, and we need four. I need a bigger kitchen. We need more bathrooms. Right when you get to your place, and you get ready to complain, I just want you to say, it could be worse. Come on. You and your spouse get in an argument tonight and you wake up in the morning. I want you to look at your spouse and say, don't do that. I carried it too far. That won't work. Don't, don't do that now. <laughs> the rest of it's good. It could be worse. It could be worse. The scripture says in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse number 6, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. In other words, nobody is driving the ant to do this. Nobody is forcing the ant to do this. The ant is just smart enough to realize I need to do this. The ant is self-motivated to do this. Here's what the ant does in verse number 8. Yet it stores its provision in summer. And gathers its food at harvest. In other words, the ant delays gratification. It doesn't eat everything right now. It stores its provision in summer. The ant realizes, hey, winter is coming. There's going to be snowstorms. There's going to be ice storms. And if I eat everything now, I won't have anything for the storm. So I, I can't eat everything now. I've got to delay gratification so that I will be ready for the winter months. And church, hear this today. You don't need everything right now. You have to delay gratification. Listen, when you go to the mall this next week, this next month, and you go to the mall and you see that $200, $300 outfit that you want to buy, delay gratification. Instead of buying the $300 outfit, buy the $25 outfit. I know the $300 outfit looks better. Get the $25 outfit. And put the rest of that money in savings. Invest it. Delay gratification. 
And if you'll live like no one else, one day you'll live like no one else. And one day you'll be able to go to the mall and buy three of those $300 outfits and not even use your credit card. Delay gratification. Pastor, I just got out of college and I got my first job making pretty decent money. It's time to go buy a brand new car. Pastor, I just got the raise. I need the new car. I just got the bonus. I, I need the, the, the new car. And you go out and the first thing you do is you go out and buy a brand new car and finance it for 14 years. That car not going to last 14 years. But if you would delay, listen, every blessing that God has for you is not, all of them are, they're not for right now. And if you will delay gratification, if you'll live like no one else, most people won't. But if you'll live like no one else, one day you'll live like no one else. And one day, if you'll delay gratification, you can go buy the car that you want and you can write a check out for it. If you delay gratification. You see, here's the principle. Here's the principle. You'll pay now or you'll pay later. But you're going to pay. You'll pay now or you'll pay later. But you can't get away from this. You will pay. And a lot of people play now and pay later. And they later they don't have any retirement. They don't have anything saved up. They're not honoring God. They're living with financial stress and tension because they didn't pay the price now. They spent everything they had. They wouldn't delay gratification. If you'll live like no one else, one day you'll live like no one else. Point number three, the third cure for discontentment is this. Number three, realize more money is not the answer to your problems. This is so huge because most people really believe this. Most of you in this place today, you really believe this. But more money is not the answer to your problems. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6 says this, but godliness with contentment. I want this to seek home today. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's great gain. And some of you say, I don't need great gain. I need great money. I've got great bills. Pastor, I'll be content when I make more money because I've got problems. And you're missing it. You see, friends, when you think more money is the answer to your problem, problems, it keeps you on the defensive instead of on the offensive. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. People who really believe that their problem is they need to make more money is they never save anything. Because they always tell themselves, I'll start saving when I make more money. People who believe this, they don't tithe and honor God. And they don't invite God's blessing into their life, into their financial life. They don't honor God with the tithe. And do you know why many people, why many Christ followers don't? Because they convince themselves of this. I'll start tithing when I make more money. People who believe this, they're never prepared for storms. And friends, hear me today. Storms happen. You all not be surprised. You drive your car, one day it will break down. I don't care if you anoint it with oil, pray over it, put a cross on it. It doesn't matter. Your car will break down. Your washer and dryer, you use it long enough, it's going to break down. 
Your appliances, they will break down. You live in your house long enough, there'll be a leak, there'll be a problem. Storms happen. And people who believe more money is the answer to their problems, they're never prepared for a rainy day because they keep thinking, I'll get prepared when I make more money. And friends, the truth of the matter is this. For most of you, not all of you, but for many of you in this place today, you're making more money now than you were making 10 years ago. For many of you, you're making more money now than you were making five years ago. You're making more money, some of you, now than you were making two years ago, a year ago. And you're still living with financial pressure. And you still have financial problems. And you're making more money. Because the real problem is not your income. You see, friends, the number one cause of financial problems is not income, but lifestyle lifestyle. You see, what happens to most people is they make more money. They get the raise. They get the promotion. They get the new job. And for most people, they just raise their standard of living. They make more money and they upgrade the house and they upgrade the car and they, and, and they buy the new, new, the, the new TV. They, they, they buy the boat. And, and, and what happens to most people, th- their problem is not they don't make enough money. You see, what happens is they have an income, but their lifestyle is always bumping up against their income. And they make more money and their lifestyle bumps up to their income. And for some people, their lifestyle is not bumping up to, to, to their income. Their lifestyle is over their income. And I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are mad at me right now. Preacher, I'm just telling you if I made more money, I wouldn't have these problems. Get what you're up there saying. I know what you're thinking. If I made more money, I wouldn't have this tension. If I made more money, I wouldn't have this pressure. And you, you really believe that. And I'm telling you, they hear my heart, so they hear my heart. You say, preacher, if I made more money, I wouldn't have these problems. If I just made more money. And the real issue is if you just spent less money, you know your income. And your lifestyle can't bump up against your income. Or you'll never be prepared for the storms of life. You see, friends, this is hard to grapple with and wrestle with. But you have to come to this conclusion that people create their own financial problems because they don't live within their means. And that's a tough one to swallow. We want to pass the buck, but people create their own financial problems because they won't live within their means. And people create a lifestyle that they're forced to have to finance. That's what, and it feels like real pressure, but it's artificial pressure because you created it. You created this lifestyle. You created this debt. You got yourself, and now you got this real pressure because your lifestyle is bumping up to your income. And I love what Christians do. You know what we do when we overspend? We call on the Lord. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what a friend I have in Jesus. Lord, help me. Lord, I don't know what happened. Lord, I'm tithing. Lord, Lord, I'm giving above my tithe to the crazy campaign. Lord, you said you would open the windows of heaven and bless me. Oh, God, what are you doing up there? Lord, bless me. Lord, please give me some more money. And God says, I did. And you spent it. You're driving around in it. You're living in it. You wouldn't boast you some bling, bling. It's been your kaching, kaching. You're watching it. I mean, you ain't watching it. You're watching it. I did bless you. 
I gave you job. I gave you raise. I gave you money. And then you turn around and spend it all and create pressure in your life. And then you turn around and point the finger at me and tell me my principles don't work. And the real issue is you don't manage what I've blessed you with. Because the problem with financial problems is not income. It's lifestyle. And if, one, if you'll live like no one else, one day you'll live like no one else. Every once in a while I like to do this, and I think it's fitting for today's topic. Just look at your neighbor and say, I don't need this, but I'm glad you're here. Come on, just tell them, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I haven't bought anything new in the last ten years. I don't, I'm content, but now you, on the other hand, <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Point number four, there's a, a fourth cure. A fourth cure. We've got to get prepared for storms. Storms are happening all around us. Number four, the fourth cure for discontentment is serve God instead of money. Serve God instead of money. And Paul tells us what happens when we serve money instead of God. And I want you to listen very carefully to what Paul says to people who serve money. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 8, he says, But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich, people who always want more, people who are never content, people who always let their lifestyle bump up and exceed their income, they fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. Notice this, that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Isn't that so true? When people love money, it can destroy their life destroy their marriage, destroy their kids, destroy their friendships, even destroy their job security. Verse 10 says, For the love, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, catch this, notice this, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. As a pastor, that, that breaks my heart because we see that from time to time. People get so wrapped up in the almighty dollar they quit coming to church. They quit praying. They quit hanging out with their Christian friends. They wander away from God. And it's amazing, you know, six years ago there were some people that came to this church and they were broke, busted, and disgusted and needed God to help them. And they honored God and they honored His principles. They called out on His name and God blessed them. And now you don't see them around church. Oh, pastor, I can't make it to church. I got to wax my boat on Sunday. Are oh, you missing it? You're missing it. You're serving the wrong thing. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And Jesus brings up the same issue of serving money. And he says in Matthew 6 and verse 24, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other. In other words, all Jesus is driving home with that word hate is that you're going to love less. You're going to love one more than you love the other. You're going to love one less and love, love one more, but you cannot love both equally. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. One will have his or her attention. One will have his or her devotion. One will have his or her commitment. But you cannot serve both God and money. You see, most Americans don't struggle with quote-unquote devil worshiping. Most Americans struggle with money worshiping. 
And Jesus knew there would be a competition for our hearts. You know what Jesus says? Hey, guys. Hey, gals. There's a competition for your hearts. And you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve money. But you can't serve both. And unfortunately, a lot of Christ followers are having an affair on God. And you know the thing about an affair is no one wants to admit it. Just recently, a politician was having an affair, and, and, and just recently, he finally came out and said, I, I was having an affair, but tried to hide it for the last year or two, because nobody wants to admit that they're having an affair. Nobody wants to admit that they've lost their passion for the one they should have it for. Nobody wants to admit they've drifted away and they've wandered away. Matter of fact, honestly, if I was to poll most of you today and ask you who you're serving, God or money, most of you in this place, even if you're having an affair on God, you would never admit it. You would cover it up. You would justify it. You'd make excuses. You'd give a list of why. And the real issue is, is your heart has wandered off into a very dangerous place. And honestly, you're serving money instead of serving God. Hear me today. God is not after your money. Do you know what God wants? It's your heart. And God realizes your heart is closely connected to your money. You see, Jesus didn't say you're going to serve God or the devil. Uh-uh. Because the number one competition for your heart is your money. And so Jesus says, listen, here, you want to attack greed? You want to start off and get a foundation of being content? Put me first. Honor me with the tithe. I know you're going to want to take all your money and spend it all on yourself and spend more and more and more. But listen, listen, listen. You got to destroy greed. You got to put me first. You got to honor me. Listen, I'm not after your money. God's not after you. You know what I want as a pastor of this church? I want God to have your heart. And I do realize this. I realize this. The only way that God can have your heart is if He has your pocket money. Because your heart and your money are closely connected. And God says, listen. Let me be first. Let me be number one. Start off by putting me first. Return to me what's mine, the tithe. Practice biblical principles. Live within your means. Delay gratification. Spend less. Save. Invest. Honor me. Get your life built on the rock. And when storms come, when storms, and they're here, and they're here, and when the next storm comes, your financial house We'll be able to stand. Listen, church, we've got to conquer the myth of more. Lord, thanks for your word.